Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow, and we bring in a great friend and mentor, Senator Phil Graham, former senator from Texas, AEI visiting scholar, and he's got a new book out a couple weeks, released September 15th. He will be on the TV show, and he'll be back on radio to talk about it. The book is called The Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debate, and um, he teases his book with an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week called Income Equality, Not Inequality, is the Problem. And he concludes, basically, by eroding self-reliance, worker pride, and labor force participation, government-generated income subsidies, that kind of equality undermines the very foundation of American prosperity. And, of course, I think he's completely right. Anyway, Phil Graham, welcome back, sir. Thank you, Larry. So these subsidies have actually made the lower quintiles almost equal to the middle quintile, and that is a problem. The subsidies are undermining work effort. This is a workfare, work requirement, government intervention. Tell us more about your thesis, because I like it. I love it, actually. Well, first of all, I started noticing 10 years ago that there was something wrong with American statistics. Uh, The Census Bureau puts out data on income. The Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out data on consumption. The bottom 20% of income earners have for 20 years consumed roughly twice what their income was. And so you ask yourself, How is that possible? And then when you go back, you find out that the census made a decision in 1947 to count only cash payments as income. And so in 1947, with the state of statistics, that made sense, and it was a good approximation. But come 1965, with a war on poverty, Virtually every new government program was a payment in kind. It gave people food stamps. Uh, It paid their medical bills. It paid their rent. And so where we are today is that we have about $2.8 trillion of transfer payments, and the Census Bureau counts only $0.9 trillion as income to the people that receive it. And and an equal problem is in comparing incomes, it doesn't deduct for taxes you pay. So uh, if you look at state, uh, local, and federal taxes, 88% of which are paid by the top 40% of income earners in America, by not deducting income that's lost to taxes, money you never see, and comparing it to income where they're not counting two-thirds of all transfer payments to low-income people, the census says that the bottom 20% of American earners, as compared to the top 20%, the top 20% earn 
or has 16.7% more income. But when you count all transfer payments and you count all taxes, it's roughly four to one. Now, is that equal enough? Obviously, that can be debated in a free society, but there's a difference between 16.7 to one and four to one. And then the problem that the article mentioned last week is that we now have made over the last 50 years such a massive increase in transfer payments from about $9,700 to over $45,000 a year going to the bottom 20% of income earners that we have for all practical purposes, when you add up all the transfer payments and you deduct taxes, uh, we have equalized the income of the bottom 60% of American earners, especially when you adjust for household size. So what does that mean? That means that middle-income workers, roughly 90% of prime work-age persons in the labor market working, working twice as many hours for those that do work, earning significantly more, they're no better off than people who aren't breaking a sweat. Mm. And what has happened is, final point, in... um, In 1967, when the war on poverty ramped up, 68% of all prime work age poor people worked. It's now down to 36%. Mm. And why is that the case? Because they're as well off not working as they would be working, and how can we blame them for not working? Mm. And, uh, of course, the American dream is based on participating in the market, uh, not participating in the government. And so they basically spent 50 years outside the economic mainstream of America. And while most Americans have seen dramatic progress, their progress is limited to how much government gives them. Um And it's grossly unfair. People resent it. Yes, they do. And it's changing our politics. You write here, after transfer payments and taxes, households in the bottom 20% had an average income of, I'm going to call it $50,000. It's $48,000. Call it $50,000. The average working age household in the second quintile uh, had an income of almost the same, $50,000. But in the middle quintile, after taxes and transfers, they kept only $61,000. So you're right. There's no incentive here to work. Or let me say, the war on poverty and the great society, which has grown and grown and grown, and, of course, Biden is doing the same thing. By the way, don't forget student loan forgiveness. Um, Exactly. There is very little incentive to work. What was your number the participation rate for uh, what? This is the work age population. What is that? Twenty five to fifty four. It was sixty eight percent at the beginning of the war on poverty when it ramped up spending in sixty seven. Fifty years later, uh, it's thirty six percent. Wow, that's incredible. 
It is that, incredible. That is that explains it is a great tragedy too. Uh, because how many of these people have real talent, could contribute, could lead productive lives, mm. uh, could get the happiness that comes from achieving something? Um, um, it's, a, it's a great national tragedy, in my opinion. Well, it is. And another point you're making here is, though, it's changing national politics. We are talking to former Senator Phil Graham of Texas, his new book, the Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debate. It's coming out September 15th. He will be on the TV show with me on set, which will be very exciting. Phil Graham is a longtime friend and mentor. And his article in the journal that we were talking about is why, why government policies are eroding self-reliance, worker pride, and labor force participation. Phil, um, that number, I want to come back to that number. The participation rate among, uh, I guess you're talking 25 to 54, um, if not, please correct me, but the participation rate at the heart of the working force has dropped, has plunged because of these government subsidies. Yeah, I, I, and the bottom, the numbers are these, and the bottom 20% of income earners what, mm-hmm. what statisticians call the bottom quintile, the labor force participation rate in 50 years among prime work-age persons now, these are only work-age people uh, that are not students, uh, the labor force participation rate has fallen from 68% to 36%. Mm-hmm. And among the second quintile, the labor force participation rate has fallen by about 10%. And the obvious reason is the explosion in transfer payments uh, over that 50-year period from about $9,700 per household to over $45,000 per household. Mm. And as you were saying uh when I had been cut off, um, what has happened in the last two years with the explosion of programs is this problem has spilled into middle-income families. The transfer payments are now so large that we've had an effect on labor force participation rate among middle-income people. So uh, it's a very real problem, and it's it's characteristic of what happens with these uh, societies that transfer massive amounts of income. Uh, we're becoming more and more and more like France, and as a result, we have labor force participation rates that are more and more like France. And you've got more and more people riding in the wagon, fewer people pulling the wagon. Right. And uh, what happens? Progress stops. This um, down. This is um, this is the failure to establish workfare or work requirements, is it not? Yes, I think that we now, if we're going to provide this level of assistance. We're going to have to require for means-tested programs 
that able-bodied, work-age persons work Mm. as a condition for getting the benefits. We did that for aid to families with dependent children. It's one of the great successes in the history of American government. Uh, And we still have among unmarried women with children, their labor force participation rate is higher than people with similar incomes because of that program, even though President Obama waived most of the state work requirements and it's been overwhelmed by expansions in food stamps and other programs, it still had a substantial effect. Uh, People went to work when they were required to go to work as a condition for getting the benefits. Many of them made enough money to get off the benefits and have never looked back. But the American Relief Act uh, in March of 2021 uh, continued the COVID emergency stuff, so workfare has not been reestablished. Meanwhile, the subsidies in Biden's budget and legislation, the subsidies continue to rise. I mean, there's health care right. subsidies, right? There's housing subsidies. As you said, there's food, food and nutrition subsidies. Up dramatically. While unemployment is Probably down. permanently. Yeah, go figure. Unemployment is down and food stamps assistance is up. That shouldn't be. You don't have to pay your student loan. This was even before it was forgiven. Hmm. Um. So the net result of all of this is twofold. One, we've got a collapse in labor force participation rates affecting economic growth. It's affecting our ability to fund government, to fund earned entitlements like veterans benefits and Social Security. And people are beginning to react to it. The the old Roosevelt coalition of blue-collar workers and government beneficiaries has collapsed. It was breaking down with Reagan's, remember uh, Reagan's, uh, uh, Reagan Democrats. uh, And uh, with uh, Trump, you had a wholesale defection of um, middle income workers uh, from the Democrat Party. And now it's happening with Hispanics, because the data clearly show now that the middle-income quintile, middle-class America, is 21% more Hispanic than Mm. it would be if you picked people at random. Mm. Middle-income America is now very Hispanic Mm. because they're hard workers. They've succeeded in America. And um, they're underrepresented in the bottom quintile because they don't take welfare in many cases. You were a Reagan Democrat. I was a Reagan Democrat. Yep. I was. You were. You switched over. Yep. Um, what's this mean for the elections now, do you think? It's going to manifest well, itself. Well, I think we're I waiting guess. to say, see. I, we're going to have a dramatic change among Hispanics. I'm confident of that. Mm. It started in the last election. Uh, we're going to win at least one of the three districts in South, deep South Texas, mm. a district that's 82% Hispanic. Uh, and we're going to win it basically, uh, a, a lady, um, Monica De La Cruz, who's running on the theme I 
I live the American dream. I want everybody to have it. Um, I want people to work and have and uh, and benefit from the productivity of America. Mm. I want to stop illegal immigration. I want to stop the spending and inflation. And it's selling uh, uh, to basically a Hispanic constituency. Republicans better talk about this. I would say, Phil, they got to talk about this more. No, they do. Well, listen, uh, getting this election, if if Republicans are going to win, uh, is and should be about what is happening in the American economy, the impoverishment of workers with inflation. Hmm. Anybody that goes to the grocery store, the gas station, uh, that pays insurance on their house, um, they see it everywhere. It is the issue. Now, the Democrats want to talk about Trump. They want to talk about uh papers that Trump had. They want to talk about everything except what is affecting people sitting around their kitchen table. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the of the Wizard of Oz. It says, don't pay any attention to that guy behind the curtain. Pay attention <laughs> to this. Look at that. Look at that. Don't look at me. Look at that. Uh, and, uh, Senator Phil Graham, the best of the best, got this new book coming out, The Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debates. going to be out September 15th. He's going to be live on set with me on the Fox Business Show, Cudlow. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and continue our discussion on the economy and the jobs report with former Assistant Treasury Secretary Mike Falkender. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. <laughs> 